0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Disney wants to show you what's underneath their their magic robe. And welcome (laughs) to the Downfront Podcast, the only podcast where three dudes sit around and talk about uh, women who shoot electrical currents out of their wrists. And I am your host, Bryland. With us tonight are going to be two of our greatest uh, Downfront Podcast fellows. Uh, And uh, before we get into our review of MCU's Black Widow, we're going to actually tell you what they've been sipping on and what they've been watching recently. So without further ado, when he's not um, spending his summer uh, running around New York from zombies or um, people in Elmo suits, he's reviewing all Marvel movies and opening up a school to tell kids how they can actually um, learn the best of Marvel history from him. Mr. Mocha Mike, how are you doing this evening?
1: Yes. Yes. Thank you, Ron, for that beautiful intro. It is I, um, your local Marvel historian, Mocha Mike. Glad to be here. Glad to see you all. Despite the lack of energy in my voice, I am in fact quite excited. Um, As for what I have been up to or what I'm drinking water, As per usual, I'm trying to keep it clean, especially since I just came back from like a, um, I want to say like a 19 day bender. So uh, I'm trying to fix that. It's day two. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, you
0: definitely don't want to be dehydrated in this weather we're having.
1: Yeah, that's what it's about. Um, (laughs) But... aside from that, though, while I haven't been drinking anything interesting, I have been watching a bunch of interesting things. Um, in fact, this week, Harold did my return to the theater for the first time since the lockdown over here in New York. It was a very special moment for me. In fact, this movie that we're reviewing today, Black Widow, was the first film I saw coming back in all the glory of Lincoln Square's gigantic IMAX screen. Um, however, the, sit- the very next day, I went back to the movie theaters in order to watch A Quiet Place Part Two. Um, starring Emily Blunt and John Krasinski. And I wish I knew the name of the main protagonist, the daughter off the top of my head, but I don't. So sorry to her. Um, but it was good. I was a big fan of A Quiet Place. I guess now it can be referred to as part one. Uh, I thought it was way better than I had anticipated it would be. And I thought that some really, there's some really cool things for the genre, which I feel like you don't get to see very often anymore, especially in horror. Um, and A Quiet Place part two felt like, more of the same uh not in a bad way but i do feel that leaving moving on from the story of part one provide like removes some of some of the tension like in part one i don't want to speak too much i don't know who here has has or hasn't watched it but in part one the alien the creatures that are uh like the threat are very very uh, difficult to see until the very end uh like you know like any good horror movies they kind of hide the monster and because we already know what that monster is and we know what its weaknesses are and we know how it can be killed, it doesn't make it any less dangerous, but it did make the action scenes feel very different than my first time watching the movie. Um, so for me, really, it was more of an enjoyable way to watch that story continue. But at this point, given what it's becoming, I feel like I'd rather just watch a like a, like a TV series of it than watch any more movies. I don't think it has it seems like they're going for a part three and I don't think it has really the win in its sales to finish a three-parter strong. But if this was like a post-apocalyptic TV show or miniseries, I'd be totally about that.
0: Interesting. Yeah. That's definitely a series. uh, Heard nothing but good things about that. I definitely want to check out uh, Mm -hmm. hopefully sooner than later. Um, But uh, thank you for sharing uh, what you've done on your summer vacation. Yeah. And with us also this evening, um, when he's uh, not choosing his favorite nirvana song which he told me was beans and uh downing the tempo to make it feel very moody and austere and everything he's shredding the guitar and also watching ton of movies as well as probably watching cool runnings get ready for the olympics shredder mike Blood. how are you doing this evening
2: that's a, a controversial statement uh first of all my favorite nirvana song is senseless apprentice uh always just love that that groove uh dave Grohl's. Really kills it on that one. <laughs> Second, you all know this that I only watch Cool Runnings on the eve of Christmas. Uh, none, there cannot be any other time. Uh, I've internalized that movie, so I'm good for the Olympics. Also, this the Summer Games, so that doesn't even matter. Um, but, anyways, I feel like I came in aggressive, but I well, we have to set a tone. We we can't let any sort of miss communication go out there. This is serious stuff. Uh, anywho. So, uh, tonight I have uh, lamplighter, uh, yaks on the phone. Uh, it is an IPA. Uh, it's pretty solid. Um, I don't think it's like your super standard, at least like what I drink for an IPA. Um, but it's, it's got a good taste profile if you know what I mean. Um, as for what I've been watching, so, uh, you know, because we, this is our first episode in a little bit, a couple weeks now, uh, I actually have stuff to talk about, which is never happens. Um, so a couple things, I'm not done Lazy. with this series yet, but, uh, started watching this is pop. Uh, it is a docu series on Netflix. Uh, it, uh, rotates around different, uh, elements of pop music. Um, so auto tune, uh, pop going country festival culture. Um, was those have all been like you know 45 minutes to an hour long episodes Uh, i think it's really well done uh if you are into like music at all uh i for the most part i found them really enjoyable and and pretty well uh you know researched um I hated the Brit pop one because I didn't realize how insufferable every single person was from that scene. Everyone was awful, but again, <laughs> the documentary was really well done. And it's like, that was the goal is that you kind of hated everyone in that scene because they are all insufferable. Um, so yeah, definitely check it out. I, I would absolutely recommend it. Um, it's not super technical in regards of like how music is made for some of these. It's like just technical enough to kind of tickle that part of the brain. Um, also, uh, was there an
0: episode on Falco? Not yet.
2: Not yet. Doesn't mean I, am not quite done with it. I think I have one or two episodes to go. So my guess is he'll show up in those. Um, and I don't know if I mentioned this last time, but I, I hit, hit a pretty good stride with, uh, Loki on Wednesdays, uh, this show on Thursdays and then bad batch on Fridays. Um, and the show in the middle was Jersey shore, uh, family vacation. Um, and so I've been watching that and, uh, Caroline, friend of the show, of course, uh, you know, it's just awesome. They're all like 40 years old. They all have so many kids. It's just like, <laughs> it's the most manufactured drama, even more than when they were 20 years old. Um, and I love every minute of it. It's great. Uh, it is just mindless entertainment. Um, I won't recommend it to anyone cause I don't think anyone else would like it, but I, I, I've been definitely digging it. Um, as for the last thing that I, I guess I'll mention, I think there's been a couple other things that I've seen, but I can't remember what I talked about last time. So then I'm too lazy to look it up. Uh, the last thing I watched was honestly a first for me. Um, so traditionally in the world wrestling, uh, world, (laughs) uh, I only watch two events per year. I watch, uh, the Royal rumble and then I watch WrestleMania, uh, for whatever reason I was just looking for something to watch. I don't know. Kind of feeling like I said, I've been watching Jersey shore and they just did an episode on wrestling. So maybe this was in my head. Um, But I watched uh, money in the bank uh, last night Mm -hmm. and Brian, did you watch this?
0: I did. Um, I I wonder if
2: you watched it on Peacock. Oh, Peacock is trash. So (laughs) Peacock. I missed the the guy playing the guitar. I missed pretty much most of the men's money in the bank.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I, I mean, I fell asleep because of how choppy and ridiculous it was getting. So, and I I thought my TV was screwing up, but no, just oh, go right to Reddit and everybody's just pissed yep, off in yep. five seconds.
2: So apparently they fixed it in about a half hour. So you got a real quick trigger, uh, to go to sleep, but yeah. yeah, so they, they fixed it in a half hour, but it wasn't a passive fix. It was an active fix. Like you had to quit out of the app and you had to like log Uh-oh. back in, um, so I, I actually moved from my TV to my computer. I was just trying multiple browsers, multiple devices, and then <laughs> yeah. eventually, like, they fixed it, and that's when I happened to log into, I think, browser number three on my computer. Um, and I will say, you should not have fallen asleep. I think top to, top to bottom. Yeah.
0: I, it, I I watched the uh, re-recording. I watched the uh, playback this morning. It so
2: kind of reinvigorated. I honestly might check out SummerSlam. Which is yeah. an event I've never really watched. Uh, I don't think I've watched Money in the Bank like highlights certainly. I've watched Money in the Bank, I think, or ladder matches, you know, certainly. But yeah. I don't think I've ever watched this event before and I loved it. Uh personal favorite, Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley. That was a great match. Um That was fantastic. I like I think this is all over the the wrestling news, quote unquote. But it really was amazing because everyone was booing them to start. And at the end, people were going absolutely wild for the match. I um, thought right. that was great. Uh, the Without saying like, who won, I thought the spots in the men's, what I could see, obviously I missed half of it, but the end spots for the men's money in the bank were phenomenal. It was just like one yeah. set piece after another. Uh, One thing I'm disappointed in, though, as someone who grew up in the Attitude Era is their new kid one of the new kids does the rko which is a different enough special move that like how how are you doing it because i don't i don't watch raw so i don't know if there's a relationship there and then another kid does the stunner so it's like you literally had like stunner rko and if you close your mind and just pretend you're listening to jr it's just you're back in 2001 again and it's like i don't know we need to see some involvement um and then uh, obviously there was a. a post-credit scene, which I actually missed. So the person who won the like the true main event match, uh, I'm not a particularly big fan of, and I didn't care to see their victory speeches. Uh yeah. and so apparently I should have, because uh apparently yep. that was a pretty, pretty cool moment. Uh again, no spoilers uh on it, but um yeah, I had a lot of fun. I honestly am really excited for SummerSlam. I it's it's a marked event on my calendar. I'm definitely gonna check it out.
0: Nice. Uh Yeah, I, I'm kind of like right there too. I haven't been watching much of wrestling recently uh, just because I've been wanting to check out other things. But um, also, one thing, I was actually really surprised how much I enjoyed uh, Money in the Bank. And, you know, for a wrestler, this is no spoiler for what outcomes of anything, but for a wrestler like Roman Reigns, who I've always felt is like, very generic in wrestling terms and just like a almost one dimensional character Uh, what they've done with him so far leading up to this has actually been actually really cool. And I think it's like the first time I've actually enjoyed a Roman Reigns championship run.
2: Yeah, uh, no, it didn't. It didn't do anything for me. <laughs> like yeah. I think he's so boring. Uh, Edge, yeah. Edge really to me carried that match. And then with again, I'm I'm trying not to, but like, so there was interruptions, and that to me was way more interesting. I don't know. Roman Reigns was kind of cool when he was part of the Shield, and then just his whole character shtick is is boring. I mean, he's, he's like very a, bland. Yeah, he's just an uncharismatic rock.
0: <laughs> yeah
2: but anyways well, I anyways. had a blast I'm definitely gonna you'll hear back uh inevitably when we do our next episode in two months uh, about
0: summerslam yep yeah. awesome thanks for joining us this evening Lewitt. and I am your host brylon this evening and what I'm sipping on this evening I just finished up a cup of coffee I've been nursing all day for some reason uh and now I'm just drinking a Pepsi and I got a Subway sandwich next to me with some fries. I'm eating like a five-year-old tonight. and So, why not? Sometimes you just gotta be a kid again. Uh, and so, what I've been uh, watching recently, I've been watching a lot of things off and on. Um, but the biggest thing that I've been doing has actually been playing Final Fantasy 14. And, um, and for me, that's been a WoW player since the original beta of WoW. It's definitely a different change and i would say it's a different game but it's actually i mean i'm having a lot of fun with it. i've already put a 100 hours into it which is nuts uh, and i am actually enjoying like this creating a character in this world so uh final fantasy 14 has been like the majority of the stuff i've actually been doing recently uh but in that time um like two shows I wanted to shout out is uh, since we're talking about Marvel show, movie, a uh, Marvel movie tonight, I checked out another Marvel series that probably isn't not getting as much attention as other shows as Loki or Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, which is Hulu's MODOK. Um, I started watching this and thought it was interesting. And by the final episode that I finished watching, I I really enjoyed uh Patton Oswalt's Modok and his take on Modok as this uh um, kind of like um, Peter Griffin dad of a twisted uh ridiculous family in the Marvel universe and um what's very uh, interesting is like for the most part and, th- and some people might call this as a cheap move or anything but uh I'm not going to spoil the thing but there the ending has a huge twist to it and I would say it's definitely worth seeing it through, even if you're not enjoying all the jokes, to see how they move this story and get it set up for season two. Because I found it to be something like, even though they're wanting to have fun with this, uh, with this character and with this series, it's not, gonna, it's not really meant to be part of MCU canon or anything, That they still want you to actually care about the characters. So it's not a half-assed show. Uh, it's uh some they're still putting as much attention and care into as their mainline stuff, which is pretty impressive. And then the other thing I watched because uh during our summer vacation, it was America's birthday and everything. So I watched on Netflix uh America the motion picture. Um all I would say about this is it's the kind of goofy satire cartoon you would expect from uh, the creators of Archer, uh, and it's definitely very mature as well. And so uh, you def- if you like that type of humor or like the humor that the League uh, is known for, then you would probably enjoy this movie. Um, you're not really going to get anything um that you wouldn't expect out of this and it has a funny ending to it as well so uh enjoy this i mean i would say like hey pop a beer enjoy this like crazy chaos of america the motion picture because it is a fun time even though it's not really going to be this uh super controversial thing uh but it likes its poop and fart jokes a lot so and with that we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to dive into our spoiler-filled review of Black Widow. dive into our spoiler-filled review of Black Widow, starring Scarlett Johansson, Florence Pugh, uh, David Harbour, and Rachel Weisz, directed by, I think, one of the creators of The Americans, Kate Shortland. And this is our first MCU film since Spider-Man No Way Home, or was it No Way Home? Far From Home. And uh, and so, to just get us started off, just uh, so we can share, like, what do we think overall about Black Widow and how it is as an MCU film? And also, like, share how you saw it, too, because I think that might change people's opinions about this movie a bit. Uh, Mocha, how about you get us going?
1: Oh, boy, I'm an interesting one to, uh, to kick off this conversation, because so I think I might have the most controversial views uh, in the group, but we'll see how that turns out. But yeah, so how I watched it, this was my return to theaters as as I mentioned earlier in the uh in the, the first part of this conversation. Um so yeah, it was great. I was in IMAX at Lincoln Square, which is uh one of the, if not the biggest IMAX screen, like theater IMAX screen in New York. Um I think it's like 80 feet. Uh and it was great. I love I loved going to the movies there. It was great being back in theaters uh to watch this this movie on. And I was very excited. Uh to like break my fast, so to speak with an MCU movie Um, long, long ago, probably when this movie was announced, I resigned myself to not caring if it was good or not, uh, but rather to just enjoy the fact that we, that it was going to be just another MCU movie. And I think I had set my expectations in the right place. Uh, I think that had I gone into this movie, very, very stoked the way I deal with like, with, with with like an Avengers movie or uh, you know, even one of the main characters who's already had a really successful uh, like film franchise uh i would have been devastated <laughs> but i wasn't or because i didn't go in with that mindset um i think it was honestly uh it just from uh, like a high level position i think that this was a rare like i don't even want to say miss cuz it wasn't bad it just wasn't up to the standard of what we've experienced from the last 10 years of getting like almost entirely like great a killer like awesome movies i feel like this is the first like marvel movie that i've seen in theaters that I felt like kind of meh about. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it wasn't all without fault. And I'll let you guys say your point too before I get into more specifics.
2: I think it's almost like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, where Guardians 2 wasn't a bad movie by... I. So I agree with you, Mocha. Uh, Guardians wasn't a bad movie, but it clearly played off w- what made Guardians 1 special. And what made Guardians yeah. 1 special was so like different than every other MCU movie up till that point. Um, and I think you can just replace Guardians 1 with Winter <laughs> Soldier. And it, it's almost like when Winter Soldier came out, you know, that was the really grounded spy movie. And it feels like a lot of the beats, maybe not story beats, maybe, you know, but like a lot of those beats are just almost retreads of the Winter Soldier. So rather than, it wasn't poorly made, like it's not Thor Dark World. But it just there's a lot of moments that I'm just like, I've literally with like the knife flip, I've literally seen this before, you know. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I totally, totally agree with you, Mocha. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that being said, I will say that I will gladly watch a life, a knife flip happen in any movie. But you're right. Like Winter Soldier did it first and did it best.
0: Yeah, and I I guess I'm uh, going to be the one that kind of enjoys this more than the rest of y'all because, um, you know, I'll, I'll say like the biggest fault I find with the movie is that it doesn't really feel that instrumental in the MCU universe. It, I mean, it definitely feels like a great standalone movie for Black Widow to shine in and everything, but it doesn't really have that connective tissue that we've seen be used to build up towards the Avenger films. Uh, It's more, it feels more like a side story, like um, almost like Marvel presents type of tale more than anything, or like one of those stories you get in the back of a, like one of the big um, like end of the year annual issues of a comic book. It's that one-off. And, but I would say like for a one-off I found it really enjoyable and fun, which is like, I always think is like what Marvel is always trying to do with their movies, regardless of their, um, impact overall on the, uh, on the, uh, on this, uh, universe or anything. Um, so I did like find like, I mean, Scarlett Johansson was still amazing as black widow. And I feel like they gave her, uh, that she had opportunities to kind of show us some, some kind of different parts of black widow, but also at the same time, it was very surface level. And, part of me thinks like have, have i been spoiled by the tv shows we've had recently that just could dive into these huge amounts of content like uh getting like the character developments we got with sam wilson or um or uh like even a uh, winter soldier um, and having just like a 5 minute piece to talk about like the past of uh, black widow and what was one thing that happened in budapest uh that was very Traumatic, but also something that kind of made her feel like a like guilt for the rest of her. I mean, up until this point in her life and stuff. Um, which, yeah, I, I like those. I like those moments. I like the whole story of An- Antonia and why she's scarred. But also at the same time, I feel like there was so much left unsaid that kind of need to be explored a bit more too.
1: Yeah, I feel like. You know, there was that connected tissue, like you mentioned, Bryland. But it's almost as if they they doubted how little focus most people give Black Widow's character. You know, like she's not, she hasn't had a, a like a, a solo movie yet. And even though she's been present in or like a, a present force in all the Avengers movies and the Iron Man movies, uh, like I feel like most people went into this movie not recalling or even caring about the uh about like budapest or what happened there mm-hmm. and i wish that they had gone like further in making the connections making those connections for the audience in the movie i feel like that just like makes sense like it's been like since the last time budapest was was mentioned it was probably avengers one right so I, that's like uh, end game yeah was was budapest
0: mentioned in end game yeah I mean, it's a, it's a brief like sentence that Haw- uh, Hawkeye says to so, um, Black Widow. I mean, that, that just goes to show too, like if it
1: wasn't like focused I, I on, mean, It's
0: definitely something sort of that weird. those two share with one another. And I think bringing in Budapest and not having Hawkeye there kind of, you're just telling like half that story.
1: So yeah, and there wasn't even a half to it, you know, like it was her half yeah. of the story, but also it wasn't anything. It was just, oh, we know that she blew up a little girl. So uh, I think,
2: I think this is like Han Solo's Kessel run. It's one of those things. That's kind of a fun thing of like, Oh, you remember Budapest way different than I do. And it's kind of like an in-joke. I never need to see it. I don't need to know what Budapest is. It's, it's something that like, let the audience imagination go. Also Mocha, uh, I think you're, you're parroting some like Perlmutter, uh, nonsense that I, I do think that there was general audience demand for, uh, Black Widow, as much as he might have lambasted and say that general population can't like handle a, a female-led super, superhero movie, I think there can be. And if you look at Black Widow's opening weekend numbers, they were amazing. They were very, yeah. very strong. The problem was that her there wasn't a, a fully developed story, which is why the total revenue is not going to look so great. So first off, how dare you compare me to i <laughs> Yeah, it's fighting words.
1: Second of all, um, to the, the final point you made uh, about Black Widow doing well in theaters, like, yeah, it did well in theaters. And I don't think that it's not a movie that could have on its own. But I feel like at this period of time in general, it's weird to talk about what success in theaters means when... So much of the of of like of current theater action is people going back to the theaters and just wanting to see whatever big thing is on there. I'm not saying that it wasn't deserved or that it didn't earn its revenue, but like I feel weird like talking about about success by revenue in this period of time. Like like just I feel like yeah. it's, it's like it's yeah. got to be a skewed situation.
2: I, I would also uh, say that it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you can go ahead. Uh, I'll. I'll uh, continue. The, the circumstance is another big uh big aspect, and I, I said this before, like. You know, uh, we'll get to the other one that came out. But, uh, you know, you had WandaVision, which was kind of a, a a bigger deal. Like there was hints. I don't think it went far enough, but there was hints at something way bigger. Uh, yeah. Falcon and the Winter Soldier kind of was in the same space, but I thought the social commentary was more poignant to today. And then...
0: Yeah. Loki, you know, Loki takes a crayon and writes big universe setups. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Loki
2: came out, you know, uh like what, four days after? And, you know, and so I think that Black Widow suffered uh as a result of circumstance where I think a lot of the criticisms of the connectedness, if she got her standalone movie, it was the first movie in eight months after Spider-Man. And we just had the cute wink and a nod of like, this is where she gets the vest in an Infinity War. I think everyone would be like, oh wow, this feels really connected. This is awesome. This is cool. Yeah. And then the multiverse starts to unravel. <sighs> but like right now, like if you're not doing stuff that is in space or multiverse related, why are we talking about Black Widow? And, and you're right, it does lose that connection to the rest of yeah. what the the current storyline's doing. So, so you know, did I, I have something least to come
0: out before Falcon and Winter Soldier.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. so I have
1: something I want to go back to what I was saying about the black Widow criticism, but I had to, to mention this since you just brought up timeline. One thing that's been very, very uh, fascinating to me as all these shows and new movies are finally starting to get released is seeing the content and understanding what information was going to be given to us about the MCU from the, each new show and then seeing what, where they actually were supposed to fall in the original timeline. Um and you know Loki was supposed to like Black Widow's movie was supposed to be the first thing of phase four Loki wasn't going to going to even start until a full calendar year after Black Widow was released yeah. oh yeah Um and in fact weirdly enough too and this is a whole other conversation maybe we'll save it for the Loki episode but Loki was supposed to come out after Multiverse of Madness so <laughs> knowing what we know now about the ending of Loki I really have to I wonder whether or not uh that ending existed in the previous phase timeline but all
2: that like so, aside. actually, one real quick point on that is that all of the shows were being produced during the pandemic, but Black Widow they sat on it. They didn't. They didn't mm-hmm. change a single thing for a year. So I know that's a very important point where, like, they because the order got slightly shuffled, the shows could adapt, but the movie couldn't.
0: Uh, and I, I think, think they might have yeah. reshot the Stinger a little bit. Nope. Probably.
2: Nope. That they was suppo- that was supposed to be her first appearance.
0: Yeah. Yeah, okay. that, and then, up.
2: and then she'd be, or like maybe the, they
0: reshot like her introduction in Falcon and Winter Soldier to make it a little nope. bit more cohesive. Nope, that oh that they was, didn't, they just left him as is. Yeah, I
2: mean they maybe I don't know when what order they shot it in, but because uh, I think technically they would have shot Falcon after Black Widow was like already done, but it was yeah. supposed to be Val's first appearance in Black Widow, and then this, you know, kind of being like Tony oh. Stark in uh Hulk.
1: So Falcon yeah. was supposed to come out the quarter after Black Widow. So Black Widow was supposed to come out in May 2020, and then fall. And the next, the very next thing was going to be Falcon the Winter Soldier. Uh, yeah. So at the very least, that character's appearances. I mean, uh, while you are saying uh, like that character, we can actually we can talk about these these people. Um, yeah, but uh, Julie Lewis' character. Yeah. Um, she. Elaine Bittis. She would have. Uh, yeah, it would have been back to back in terms of her her appearances, and I think that's pretty pretty clear. Well. I mean, I'm not going to get into why, why that's clear, but regardless, doubling back. I just want to say one other, other thing about yeah, the, on. uh, egregious, uh, <laughs> A charges level, level. up <laughs> I also by no means ever said that this movie wouldn't work because of it had a female lead no we can rewind as it as I, the, I want everyone to, to go back and Marvel
2: rewind movie. it and listen to this
1: as someone <laughs> who I personally argue I'm going to edit the, the shit live out, live out of you so you say this that Captain that <laughs> Marvel deserves a, a, a movie and that it was actually good uh, you should be able, you should know that about me but, <laughs> but um, yeah, you're but a but man, man womanator that, I think that that connective tissue really matters. And when it comes to Marvel movies, everything is connected and it's only gotten more and more. So as time has gone on and this movie didn't do enough, like it had a lot of like small moments of connection, but it didn't do enough to drive it home in any sort of way. Uh, And I just feel like, I don't know if it was a situation where they were trying to do too much or if they just didn't really know where to like lean in on the style of story that they were telling. Um, but like, and maybe this is jumping too far in the conversation. You guys can slow me down if you want, but I, when when Black Widow was announced, I, and I must have said at this podcast at some point, but what I was really hoping that they would do would tell a really like grim and bleak story about Natasha growing up in the Red Room and becoming the yeah. Black Widow. Not the last thing that Black Widow does before we see her in Infinity War. And I still think that that would have made an infinitely better movie because, well, for a couple of things. One, I feel like the relationships between the family members, like each of those individual actors was, was great, but the, the relationship didn't, wasn't really sold to me that well. Like, we knew that they were together in America. We got a brief showing of that. And we know that she was close to her, to her sister at the time, but then they got separated and we didn't see anything else. And the movie kind of like almost treats like, really lightly the very serious aspects of Scarlett uh, growing up in the Black Room, which was things like they were given forced uh, you know, hysterectomies and they were like they were abused in a bunch of different ways and like i didn't feel that connection to yelena or the suffering that they went through because they kind of like played those things off as a joke right when uh like red guardian was in the plane he said something about a grandchild and she and like yelena is like oh that'd be hard to do with uh with you know my uterus removed yeah. you know hysterectomy that's what it is i'm like we should like it's It almost felt like they thought it was too dark and they wanted to be kind of goofy about it to like to not yeah. go that route. But the Black Widow story needed to be about that. And we needed to come out of it knowing why we should care that Yelena was at the tombstone at the end of the stinger when uh, she
0: gets recruited into the Thunderbolts. Like she is... So, like Yeah, it was like the MCU version of uh, gallows humor for that. And I definitely kind of agree with you. Like, I mean, I, I think we'll all agree. Like the the movie was definitely didn't do enough for any aspect of it's storytelling, but when it comes to the performances, I had no problem with how the family came about. Like, I mean, just like how um, the great philosopher of our time, Dominic Toretto says, you don't turn your back on family.
2: Okay. Um, Cutting that. I mean, the,
0: the as- the family aspects of this movie, I mean, where I think where it shined the best. And especially when you had the dynamic of uh, like Rachel Weiss's very cold uh, but also very calculating but sometimes very warm mother figure uh and also having the crazy lunatic that is uh david harbour um who i mean just make him play anything because he's always just gonna at least be entertaining in that role which was fantastic my My biggest
1: loss in this movie came from him like multiple scenes where he just looked
0: absolutely unhinged. And, <laughs> yeah. it, it <laughs> so he, he looked he, like that guy that would puke on himself and not So care. I, <laughs> I want to
2: come back to the unhinged in a second, but uh, I want to go back to something you said uh, more. Uh, you're right on the comedy. Um, Dave Groves, friend of the show, of course, uh, he listens every week. He's actually listening oh. while we tape this right now. He's in the next room. Um, he, uh, he, he, he hated the stinger. I didn't hate it, but I will a hundred percent agree where they're coming from. Um we still haven't gotten the, the Natasha morning scene. Like that was a scene where obviously you got Elaine Bennis, obviously that's the character she's playing. She's gonna be quippy, she's she's gonna be like sarcastic. No. Yeah. No problems with that that character, but like seeing Yelena devastated at natasha her sister like the person who like you know was there for her and and got her through this ordeal and, and you know and likely they ran to each other a couple more times potentially before infinity war um instead they're just kind of joking with that Va- you know countess val you know and, and i i think there is a there is an honesty there that needs to happen of that they should have gone dark and they should have just shown this person just crushed because she lost her sister in a way that she has no idea and no one cares right Tony Stark got the Avengers funeral and Natasha got nothing you know like she was yeah. kind of the forgotten and and that's kind of how it is right like I mean we've all grown up listening to or reading uh Tom Clancy novels like the spy that gets killed the gov- your government doesn't even acknowledge you existed you know um and so like I think that we needed to have like a really honest dark scene of her, you know, and you could do the funny vow thing after she leaves, but like give her that moment to like really mourn her sister. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: One of the things I think they did uh, pretty well, or at least Florence Pugh did very well was just with uh, Yelena. Um, I, I think they actually do a good job of showing like how something like being undercover in America could affect uh, different psyches or ages of people even if they are a family of spies i mean natasha being a teenager at that time she's going to be kind of aware what's going on or what she has to do but elena being a kid and just wanting to do kid stuff i mean that's going to affect her on a totally different level and i think florence Pugh played that really well especially at the dinner table where the three of them, uh, older the older ones, are. Uh, they're definitely uh, saying, like, yeah, it was the mission and we were doing our job. It was just three years of undercover work. And Yelena is just kind of this more of a broken character because it was part of her childhood. And obviously, a part of her childhood, that matters a lot to her because she felt like she had a kind of a stable family uh, environment. And I think uh, it was actually... Uh, Really cool to see like they're all coming together essentially for elena's uh needs that it's a, a matter of like them being a family for her first, and then the rest of them putting like their their missions or anything second,
2: yeah and the, and the human trafficking element of all of it, like yeah no i I totally agree they uh with mocha they should have they could have leaned into the conflicting experiences they had growing up. Uh, and how like real world that is, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, a, a real issue that Q will solve. Um, in in <laughs> k- kidding, it is a real issue, but also, I don't know, we're gonna lose all of our audience because I said that. Uh,
0: <laughs> say John McAfee, yeah,
2: <laughs> well, he's where we where already lost him five months ago,
0: <laughs> RIP, R.
2: yeah. Um, anywho let's I, I guess yeah. let's talk about the family uh I, I think we unless mocha you want to go on more about uh trauma
1: <laughs>
2: no no <laughs> I, just <think>
1: that, <laughs> I, I just think that that's like that really is I think the biggest for me and I feel like I try to avoid letting myself get into the mindset of like as a fan I feel like it should have been xyz because I think for the most part most people don't know what the fuck they're talking about when they discuss how to make a movie better um uh, maybe I shouldn't be saying that like on camera in front of everybody listening to us talk about make about movies and why they should be better but um I just really think that I really truly really feel like this is a that there was a huge missed opportunity in closing the book on Natasha's story by telling us how it properly started not just with you know the uh, you know the the opening scene from the Americans and then a fast forward <laughs> the it's like scene from the N- Natasha cares about the red ledger for a reason right like yeah. she, like she went through some shit and I like I appreciate that they at least, like, made a joke towards it, like, uh, when, when David Hart, when Red Guardian uh, gets rescued from the prison, he's like, hey, Natasha, my Avenger, I'm so proud of you. Your, red, your Ledger must be gushing red. <laughs> like, I thought that was hilarious. But also, it's just another example of them, like, being, like, funny and goofy over things that are supposed to be serious. Natasha never wanted to be in the Red Room. She never wanted to get her internal organs scooped out. She never wanted to be, like, forced into this brutal, like, combat training against other girls that she was also similarly prisoned with. She didn't want to be this like ultimate killer for the Russian government. Um, there's a, everything about her up until the point that she makes that defection to uh, to shield in Budapest is her living a horrible, terrible, terrible life. Yeah. And they never and we don't get we don't have any sense of that. Like we have no real reason to care about her. Red Ledger after watching this movie that was supposed to that at least started to give us her origin. And it kind of so gets a huge myths for her, especially since her character is for, for now at least dead.
0: Yeah. And it's also like kind of cheapened by the fact that they want to show like the red room has modernized themselves by using assassin gas to imprison these women. So we're going to,
2: we're going to talk about that in a minute, but I I, say, uh, ironically Mocha, you're like, Oh, people don't know anything about making a movie. And, but I shouldn't say that because I'm about to say how I would have done this. And I think it addresses this. So I know how to make a movie. AKA, um, anyways, uh, they should have killed the daughter. That that daughter should have been dead. The biggest thing for me, yeah,
1: oh oh, you mean Taskmaster? Yeah,
2: yeah, okay. yeah. So the biggest thing for me is that the villains were kind of silly, and we'll talk about Dragov more. But I do want to do this change in how I think it relates. Um, so we talked about the family being really close knit, and actually I agree with Brownland. I thought that every time they they were together, they had great chemistry, and their dynamic kind of like all worked together. Um, to fix the villain, I think they should have killed the daughter. Because at that point, uh, for a little context, Natasha officially joins S.H.I.E.L.D. and she's surrounded by S.H.I.E.L.D. agents all day and every day. And then she goes on and she joins the Avengers and she's literally surrounded by gods. When Civil War happens, that is the first time since she killed Dracov's daughter that she is now exposed and alone and she doesn't have these massive systems. And if Dracov because one of the things I so the family had great interactions. I didn't feel like Drakov had any connection besides like you were the chosen widow uh to Natasha. And I think that if you made this a revenge plot and said Drakov was biding his time until Natasha was alone to kill her, that makes his motivation make a hell of a lot more sense. And I also think that you could have done like I'm gonna I, I didn't hate what they did with Taskmaster, but I just think that in the grand scheme of things, it's kind of really silly and short-sighted. Like, you kind of have to involve her on Black Widow-type things, which clearly they're going to do some sort of Black Widow 2, whether it's a movie or TV show, and then, you know, you do this. But if Taskmaster was a hired gun, uh, a la Winter Soldier, to go kill Natasha now that she's away from Thor, I think that makes a hell of a lot more sense. Um, I also kind of hated that Like it essentially was Tony Stark's tech um, that, you know, like in Civil War, like analyzing his fight patterns. And that's essentially all Tony Masters or Antonia Masters did in this. Um, It seemed like, again, a, a one trick pony. Uh, and this is why I said the unhingedness from David Harder's Red Guardian comes back into play. So as far as I know, Tony Masters, uh, who's the original Taskmaster in the, or the primary Taskmaster in the comics, he's a mimic, right? And he has an impeccable memory for fighting styles. Um, one of the ways you can beat him is you literally give him too much information where he starts to forget things like that you told him last. Um, and the other thing is that, uh, at least from the Spider-Man games, is you have to fight unpredictably. Um, and so I think that you could have seen a red guardian come in and actually have a pretty cool fight scene where this guy that's just been able to successfully mimic multiple Avengers essentially has no idea what to do with this drunk Russian dude. That's just swinging around with super strength at him. Um, so that, that, that's my big, my big, big change. And then you could also, because it's Tony masters and, and he's just a hired gun, um, he now can appear in anything else. So if you want to do Hawkeye, if you want to do any other sort of local Black Panther 2, you could bring him in. Uh, anything that's Earth-based, you could now bring this character back and have him make more sense than the random person from, from Black Widow. Um, was that all on that? Well, just to... to yeah, add, yeah,
1: Unless you, you come up with what you, were gonna, what, what you were remembering. Also, Taskmaster is someone who... Like, he's not the most well-known Marvel villain slash character, but he's cool, and he deserves, I feel like, a bit more agency as a character uh, in this movie. I think, I mean, it's fine that they use Taskmaster as just to have, like, a Terminator, essentially, in the film, and then ultimately give a, like, a quote-unquote emotional connection or opportunity for Natasha to, uh, like, uh get the red off her ledger, you know, by by freeing this girl who he thought she thought she had killed uh, you know, at that time. And but here's the thing, Taskmaster himself is already kind of cool, is already cool in and of itself and would have been a great foil for the for Black Widow. Because Taskmaster was a shield agent who uh eventually who defects um after he takes like a like a like a a back alley Nazi uh super soldier serum, and it like fucks up his brain um but that's where he gets the ability to like mimic things it's from this this botched super soldier serum and he defects and it would be cool to see it would have been cool to have that as a connective like bit of information in terms of their experiences because now we have two people who have defected from shield immediately like that's from shield like natasha she didn't like want to betray shield but she betrayed the country and had to go on the run and taskmaster who you know betrayed shield and became a villain and i thought it would have been at least a little bit more interesting of a dynamic between them two as opposed to just being a terminator that happens to also yeah. be like a living MacGuffin.
2: also you get olga karolinko and you give her one line and and she's she has, her face is on screen for four seconds yeah I, yeah i also i think that you're right as foils go um so they mentioned hydra with the winter soldier program and then, you know, the Russians kind of had the Red Guardian program slash the Black Widow program, although it kind of seemed like Drakov split from the Russian government, you know, kind of later. Uh, but you could make the, the analog of like, hey, you have the Russians with Black Widow, you have Hydra with Winter Soldier, and the Americans have the Taskmaster program. And so you could you could say like, hey, these these world toppling agents. Uh, first of all, I didn't like how there was like four. Billion Black Widows. The fact that there was <laughs> yeah. there was like eight thousand Black Widows, and not one of them showed up for Endgame that final fight. Like you know when uh, Strange was like, you know, is there anyone else? And he's like, you wanted more. Hey, how about seven thousand Black Widows show up? and Like, <laughs> like you know, like I, I feel like at that point maybe someone else would have known that these people existed. Um, which is again that continuity thing that you were talking about earlier, where like because they never show up again, why do we care that there's all these people out there? Um. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I really like that idea of uh, Mocha of having him be a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent and then they can have that shared experience. Because again, I don't think that the, the connection needed to be between Taskmaster and Black Widow. I think the connection needed to be between Dreykov and Black Widow. And so mm, by no. Taskmaster being literally a hired gun who's just there to kill her because the money's good, like it, it further drives home the point that it's really between uh, Dreykov and Natasha.
1: Yeah. yeah um i wonder if we're gonna get taskmaster in the future because you'll, you'll
2: get her in black widow too
1: there's not gonna be a black widow too it might be a i don't show. believe uh, i, don't, I don't, think don't think there's gonna be any to but you, pull 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 up. we'll pull get Yellen as stuff moving forward but that's gonna be part of the young avengers Wait, you're, gonna get I mean, you're
2: gonna get
0: more you're gonna get more puss somewhere
2: yeah she's not to quote uh oh, mugatu but she's too hot right now to not have her yeah. in some other movie <laughs> Well, she's
1: going to be in the Thunderbolts. Like that's what that's what uh, uh, Contessa Valentina uh Allegra De Fontaine is doing. She's forming the Thunderbolts. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I mean,
0: who knows like if she, it's the Thunderbolts or Dark Avengers or is the Thunderbolts <laughs> or is it Serpent <laughs> Society? Guess who else?
1: Guess who else was prominently featured in this movie? Who keeps is on it getting Ser- put Serpent in? Serpent Society. Guess who keeps getting put in over and over so we don't forget about him? Is General Thaddeus Ross. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. gonna one day become Red Hulk. Oh, and so, 100%. And if we have a Red Hulk that Thaddeus Ross, then we have the Thunderbolts. Um, <laughs>
2: plus yeah. you have a uh, reinvigorated Zemo,
0: yeah, yeah, dancing Zemo. He man. was
2: he was more a Thunderbolts guy, not a Dark Avengers. Dark Avengers was Norman yeah. Osborn, right? Yeah, that
1: was he was the uh, the leader of the Dark Avengers. There, they might Avengers, so who speaking.
0: knows? They might find a way to throw Venom in there.
1: We'll see, we'll see what they can do with this uh, <laughs> this multiverse situation, but yeah, um. So, what's I gonna, what's I getting at? Uh, Taskmaster, I was talking about. Um, oh yeah, one thing too that, and I kind of get why they didn't want to go down this route. But the Red Room, I feel very strongly in the negative about the idea of making the Red Room be this gigantic, palatial floating right. castle in the sky. I think it was stupid, and they just felt like they needed a yeah. big set piece because it was a, it was the first kickoff movie of the of phase 4 and they wanted it to have a big ending. I think yeah. it was it was dumb and a waste go and it didn't, go do, home. it didn't do it didn't do anything whatsoever to improve the narrative or the story or any connections. It was just there to be like a sink for their for their CGI
2: budget. It had the most it had the same logic as somehow he returned. I'm talking about Palpatine. It's like you're telling me this <laughs> yeah. massive structure was obscured by clouds. Like they yeah. made, like it, like hey, there yeah. was nothing else they said about <laughs>
0: that like made it. No through. airline ran into that cloud. At least the shield helicarriers were at Cookie' like, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: attack. But like, what's annoying about this, and it's what And, like again. This is where I feel like they really need to, get to focus on the Red Room experience and make it dark and gritty because the Red Room was just a fucked up gulag place where they did these fucked up experiments on yeah. these little girls, and it should have been that this grimy kind of place. If anything. You know, Black Widow and Yana should have wound back up at you know at the original place, and we should have seen it as some like grim, brutalist architecture, like Soviet uh, hellhole. Um, I think it would have made it, would have made it way more interesting than that oh, giant floating <laughs> gold castle in the sky. And addition in addition to that, there's so much that goes on that is connected to with Black Widow and the Red Room and the rest of the MCU. And I get why they didn't go too deep into this because, first of all, of course, the MCU is differentiating itself from the comics. But also, they would have had to kind of backfill a lot of information that we never got before. But, so, for one thing, again, thinking about, like, Black Widow's, like, life history, um, the first time we see Black Widow, well, not the first time we see Black Widow, but her origin in the stories is is that she she was thrown out of a burning building during World War II and was saved by the man who becomes Red Guardian. Um, and he like carried her off, and then somebody like she got kidnapped as a baby and taken to Madripoor. And in Madripoor, Red Guardian, Logan, and Captain America were the ones to uh, to actually like rescue her from uh, in Madripoor. It, it was just yeah. like a coincidence of their adventures in that area. And then Ivan wound up taking her back to Russia to the to the black to the the Red Room. Um, yeah. but, so right there, you have some some interesting connections that you can play around with, especially if you highlight the fact that. You know, like Black Widow had some sort of interaction with Steve Rogers before she was old enough to really remember. But this also then puts pulls out the issue, which is why was why would Black Widow have been a baby during World War II? And the the reason is, is because she's a super soldier, <laughs> the same super soldier serum that uh, Ivan got. He got the perfected version later on, but um, like a like a not an imperfect version was used on all the, the Red Room candidates who completed their training. So Scarlet has she's not super by any means. But she's artificially enhanced to be peak, like peak human potential, like Olympic athlete, uh, and like extremely durable. Um, which I think they actually kind of did well in this movie that she they showed her getting yeah. her ass tossed really hard a lot of times. But she's not a normal person. Um, but like seeing all that stuff, having that play in, could would just add all these extra like threads of connection to the existing uh, like MCU lore. And we didn't need to go in that 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 deep and do like a complete. Uh, revamp of her history, as, as at least as far as people see it, as fans of the MCU. But I still just think that there was a lot of room there, especially with the recent introduction of Madripoor into the show, into the, into the MCU. What I feel like, like I mean, what, I mean, one thing
0: I, cool. one thing I did really enjoy was how over the top they did the action. I mean, I, I feel like with this uh, phase going forward they're uh they're they're definitely leaning into like yeah we're going to make comic book films as comic booky as possible and so even someone that's like just regular human being avenger uh black widow she can come out of a car wreck in this movie. That's worse than Dr. Strange's car wreck and not have a spot on her and just keep on running after the bad guy. So I like that they're they are getting a lot more exaggerated with the action and still looks fun and entertaining so, as well. So
2: two things, one, I love the line that was like how many uh, Norse gods take Advil after a fight. Uh, <laughs> to me, that was the big differentiation between like a super soldier versus, uh, you know, like what Natasha is. Um mm. the other thing is that uh so the timings are goofy and I think Marvel is going to have a massive decision to make on what to do with Magneto when the time comes mm. because <laughs> realistically we are too far away that World War 2 doesn't make any sense. Uh and if you use any other genocide you're probably going to run into issues on like like everyone else's genocides like aren't like worldwide rev- like reviled against as like this is the worst thing ever um you gotta tread lightly let's just say on some of these things um so i th- i think they have a massive thing and that's why you see you know tony stark's origin pulled from vietnam to uh to afghanistan you know make it more relevant but yeah. so i think that you probably couldn't have done black widow in world war ii and made that make any sense even with some sort of like serum that elongates her life but mm-hmm. you could have done vietnam and you know with this super soldier theorem, uh, serum, excuse me, uh, elongating her life, she could have looked in her 30s uh, around now, and been a baby in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. Uh, who you could have brought in though to make a cameo experience um, is Isaiah Bradley, and you could have had you could have flipped Isaiah with. And and then you could have shown his origins uh, or not origins, but like you could have shown him like having an actual moment. Right. And then, you know, now, you know, that he disappeared when he came back from that war and he never saw him again. Um, yeah.
1: And Plus, i was getting like this is yeah. room for them to to do that stuff, right? Sorry, yeah. no, no, no. I was
2: I was gonna say that I, I when you were saying that, I'm like, wait, Captain America makes no sense in the 40s, but there actually was another Captain America that would have made a hell of a lot more sense, and that would have lended more credence because, again, we we talked about this before. These two, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Black Widow, are intrinsically linked. Um, you know, maybe not like super super directly, but like they they have. A ton of crossover and uh, linking Isaiah Bradley, having him show up in that moment and then seeing the payoff afterwards, because, again, the original order was Black Widow first. You could have seen one quick scene of him with the shield, and then you see him four months later uh, as an old man who's been in prison for 30 years. And, like, you know, that would have been an actual arc there, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. Sorry. I do know. I apparently know how to make a movie. Uh, so everything you said <laughs> earlier is wrong.
1: <laughs> oh man, no, yeah, I, I agree. I just think that they could have done so much more if they if they really made the story about Black Widow's origin. Um, you know, but I think, but here's here's the issue, or at least the core of it. When I watched this movie and I completed it and I sat down and I thought, what did I just watch? And what I feel like I watched was like two hours and uh, two hours two hour and 10 minutes setup for the chance to say, we needed to know who Yelena is before we get to the Hawkeye series. Um, it really felt like this movie was like this movie wasn't about black widow. It was about getting, getting Yelena in front of us. So that way there was a yeah. smooth transition. Um, and I think that, and I, I feel that, you know, it didn't feel it was like it was her a really origin story. Black widow right? Yeah it's is there a show us yeah yeah and that's great like i want that i want Yelena to be introduced i want her to show up in hawkeye and i want her to show up in the thunderbolts but like i just feel like this man are we at the are, is this that the point in the podcast where i say this should have been a tv series again
0: <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's the <laughs> conclusions everything should be I'm a tv there. series now <laughs> i think i'm
1: there i think black widow should have been uh a a, a, a series event we should have gotten at least like an, like an episode or two just about her being a kid in the Red Room. And then use those remaining four to six episodes to, like, to flesh out Taskmaster, to make the uh, connections between her and Yelena uh, feel more authentic, I feel like. like. We're supposed to expect that there's been decades, but since the last time she saw her sister because they were separated at the Red Room. Um, like, I don't know. I just, felt like, I just felt like there wasn't enough there even though I could see what they were trying to do and what they were trying to do kind of made sense. I just, yeah, I think this would have been a Disney plus show.
2: I disagree. I think they could have made a really tight two plus hour movie. Um, and and I think all all, like they didn't need to tweak a lot to, to get this thing to work. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, you're absolutely right. This is just Yolena's, this is her origin story. This is how like, You know, she almost could have been the main character the whole time. And uh, people would have rioted because like, oh, there's finally a Black Widow movie that stars or co-stars Scarlett Johansson. And it's not about Scarlett Johansson's Natasha (laughs) Romanoff, you know, like people would have lost their absolute minds. But um,
0: it's essentially what it was, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I would say like the other thing I really liked about black widow was uh the score uh it was like a very nice um kind of espionage style like jason bourne style uh synth score going on with it so very moody and atmospheric for what we saw uh the only thing i found was kind of weird was just like at the opening credits they i mean i kind of get why they did it is it's kind of like a little homage to james bond openings and stuff but um Having that cover of Smells Like Teen Spirit, it felt kind of odd. And I wanted to compare it to something. And so I'll say spoilers for uh, the Batman uh, movie trailer, if you haven't seen it, uh, for the Batman movie that stars Robert Pattinson. But in that trailer, they do a, not a cover, but they take the uh, song Something in the Way by Nirvana and they remix it to fit the trailer's mood and everything. And I think it actually plays, I think it actually captures what they're looking for when it comes to that darker tone of that trailer very, very well. It actually sets up um, that, that world in a auditorily for you. I just felt like this song, it was like, why don't you just, um, I mean, I I was like, why don't you just get like an original song if you wanted to do something that was kind of like a, james bond opening credit song or um why does it have to be like this kind of video game style like slowed like slowed uh down version of smells like teen spirit
1: mm. yeah i didn't love that song either i'll let blue say the meaningful things about it but this is a very 2000 like 17 to 2019 trend that is at this point yeah. definitely like being ridiculed like the idea of like <laughs> like making a movie scene darker or making the opening seem more intense because they play a downshifted or like it's like a slowed down version of a pop song or a popular rock song that we all know. It's a uh,
0: Gears of War's fault. The original
1: <laughs> trailer. <laughs> they do it in, uh, in horror movies. They do it in uh, the trailer for Candyman. Like it's it's everywhere yeah. to the point where I've definitely seen it like m- m- mocked in some places but I feel like that this is also an example of this movie was filmed in 2019 (laughs) and it's uh, being shown now in 2021. And I feel like that's the trend that's, that's very visible now, but maybe if I had released in 2019, it would have still been on the cusp of at least the, the the final straws that broke humanity's back in regard to, to this being a a trope.
2: (laughs) Awesome. Uh, Yeah. Blew it. Yeah. I was going to say, you're not the only person that's just, called this like a budget Jason Bourne movie and i i don't disagree um speaking of that the i guess the man in the chair uh was the most nonsensical character in the, in the entire film that dude just whipped out a quinjet out of his backside yeah. <laughs> you know like every every super spy's got like that like like Q, you know, like the the person that they can go, yeah, and that was just the most ridiculous character. I the she's just like, man, I could really use a chimichanga from Seven Eleven right now, and he's like, well, I do have one of these right here, and here's your hot sauce to go along with it. She's like, that's this is nuts. Like, do you have a Fab egg? He's like, actually, I do. Here you go. Like, <laughs> not it, it just that that character was so unbelievable, um, and also just lends to uh, like. I You'd guess think a that-
0: Black Widow would know how to get hold of a Quinjet better than he does.
1: Yeah, it was all—it yeah. was all too too easy, man. One thing, like, and again, this is going back to me talking about like what I uh, wish they they had done. But another thing that we missed out on for this movie was getting any sort of insight into how fucking horrible it was for uh, Natasha in that moment. Because, like you mentioned earlier, Blewett, she just lost everybody, right? She's alone. Again, for the first time. But not only is she alone again, she's on she's on the run from the country that she wound up finding a home in. After revealing herself to the world and making all of her records public, like immediately after that, she gets uh, like, you know, like civil war happens and she gets sent off. Um, so now she, not only does she, is she alone and not only does she not have a home, but she's also like completely, like you said, exposed, like everything's out there. She's no longer a secret. She can't just hide. And the fact that we got no mourning for her life with her family in the Avengers, like, they they make fun of her for having a family in the Avengers, but that meant something to her. And we should have seen even, like, the slightest bit of, like, of, like, sadness from her or maybe, like, doubt that she made the right decision or anything like that. or Or just struggling by being alone. Like, this Mason guy that she connected with, like, it was just a way to drive the, the plot along without slowing her down. But I feel like it would have been way more interesting to see her struggle with, with not having access to unlimited resources like she has for the past 15 years or so.
2: You, you really needed a, th- like a, a third, or I guess fifth Avengers movie. I, I think we didn't, did not an alright job at this, um, but there's just not enough time in a movie to make this happen. But like they were working together for a significant amount of time. The whole point of that opening scene in Avengers Age of Ultron was to show how good they were as a team because they were doing mission after mission after mission together. And so so I think you're right, Mocha. Like, from a standard movie audience, they're like, oh, well, yeah, they came together at the end of Avengers. Like, they didn't really know each other at the, the that. And then they went on one mission that they ended up in Sokovia. And then they were kind of, you know, they had that one flirty moment with, uh, you know, the Hulk. But you know, otherwise it's like what, a weekend at Bernie's and they're just hanging out together a weekend at <laughs> Avengers? But it's like, no, that was several years of them living together, working together, training, going on these missions, and uh and you're right, there should have been a moment of like, you know, when when Yelena's talking about how, you know, she's the they've got the gods there, like, she should have been like, hey, these are like I I can't call on them before they're, they're my friends and I lost my friends, you know, like yeah. that's, it's not just like, I, I lost like some, some blonde idiot, you know, that like I talked yeah. to a couple of <laughs> times at a party, like we've all been there, but, um, the, uh, yeah, no, it was, um, it, I totally agree. It should have meant more to her that yeah. she couldn't just call Thor.
1: The Avengers were split up and she like, I mean, I don't know how much of it she knew, but the last thing we saw was, was Steve Rogers nearly kill or nearly killed. Uh, Tony Stark <laughs> um, yeah. you know like it's everything that happened in Civil War and including like her fighting her against her teammates like all of that was was traumatic and should have been addressed in any way whatsoever especially since this was the first thing that happens of the movies that we have access to after Civil War
0: yeah uh, any last uh, overall thoughts that we want to share
1: um, yeah I think that uh while I liked everyone who was in the movie, like casting wise, I think the casting was great across the board. And I thought everyone did a great, a, a great job in their role, except for Rachel Weiss. I did not think that she did like much at all with what she, what she had available to her as Melina. And that's a shame because Melina's a character, right? So she's yeah. iron maiden. Um, she's not black widow's mother in the comics, but that's who Melina is. She's iron maiden. She's a, like in the comics, she's another uh, black widow. Wow, <laughs> Uh, in the comedy, she's another Black Widow from the Red Room, and like she sees Scarlett, Joh- or, well, Scarlett Johansson, Natasha Romanoff, as a, as a rival. Now in this movie, they switched that around and made it her her quote unquote mother in the Black Widow age, uh, organization. But still, like they, she's somebody, and I feel like she just like was so bland in her approach to the role. And as someone that they're probably going to want to bring back. It's a little disappointing, especially when you're surrounded by the likes of David Harbor acting like an like a complete insane person. And uh, I, I keep on trying to call her Valerie Pew, Florence Pew, um, just doing a great job being Florence Pew. Uh,
0: yeah, and uh, I mean, I would say one other thing about Melina is her her turnaround to actually be on the right side uh, of this is really abrupt. I mean, because she's just she's basically uh drakov's right-hand man in the red room for uh getting the assassin gas out and kidnapping these women and everything and then all of a sudden she decides at the dinner table you know what let's go attack uh the red room and take it down instead so i actually
1: like (laughs) i actually like the abruptness of it and the only but and i agree it was abrupt i do agree agree with that but like even though she was Drakov's right hand person, she was still one of the girls from the Red Room. She was just from the previous generation, yeah. so she has every reason to like hate the shit that's going on. But she's stuck in it because she doesn't see, she's never seen a way out. So being around a uh, you know Scarlet, or Natasha Romanoff who escaped the Red Room and defected, uh, and Yelena uh, who was able to break free and was doing everything she could to stop it, I feel like there was enough there to make that moment makes sense to me and I actually really enjoyed it how she just kind of she just kind of makes a decision. She doesn't take time to waffle on it. She's a she's a she's a a super spy like she has to make decisions quickly. And yeah. so she does and she says and it's not a like a big dramatic thing. She just let, says I'm sorry but I alerted the red room already and they're they're nearly here uh, or they'll be here soon. I I really enjoyed that 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 turn. Um mm-hmm. but uh but yeah, I I agree it was it was definitely abrupt.
0: Yeah. All right, with that, we're going to move into who we thought were our MVPs of Black Widow. So, Mocha, who is your MVP for Black Widow? Uh,
1: Definitely Florence Pugh. Uh, And I don't know if I'm pronouncing her last name correctly, because you said it a little weirdly tonight. Or maybe not weirdly. I I
0: just pronounce it the way it pronounces it.
1: Okay, so I'll keep going with Pugh then. Uh, Florence Pugh, Mm -hmm. I thought was great in this role, as this character. She, I feel like she didn't have a lot to work with, like we don't have a reason to know much about Yelena or care about Yelena and she's not a superhero. She's not, uh, you know, a super soldier. She's just, uh, like, she's just Black Widow's younger sister. Um, but I still think she did a lot to make the character interesting and make her be someone that I want to see more out of, which we are going to because she's going to be a big part of Hawkeye and then the rest of the MCU after Words, So definitely her. Fantastic.
0: And also I'm right there with you. I think Florence Pugh was kind of the MVP for me as well in this movie. Um, it was uh it's just because I think we got a bit a bit more of understanding where her character's coming from. We just got a lot more character uh depth from her than the other characters. Uh, definitely everybody was really fun, but I think they wanted to spend a bit more time because I think she's going to be one of the more significant standouts for the mcu going forward and blew it who is your mvp of black widow yeah uh
2: i i thought david harbour his, his performance just was really funny <laughs> to me the whole yeah. time like <laughs> um he was like that idiot that you didn't really know if he was telling the truth or about half his stories or not and uh he played that very convincingly
1: Oh, we needed more from him too, but we're past this now.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. My, I'm not, I'm like yeah. not halfway through my notes. That was just hilarious, but we need to end this because it's been going for four hours. <laughs>
1: yeah. Taskmaster fight was- should have been cooler. <laughs> Red Guardian should have punched him through a wall and Taskmaster should have just kept coming.
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So we're going to get to our final thoughts and conclusions. Uh, so uh, Mocha, who, what are your final thoughts and conclusions on Black Widow?
1: Yeah, you know, this is the first Marvel movie in a long time to just kind of make me say, man, I'm very much a fanboy. I love Marvel Comics. I love the MCU. And I am I feel like I'm not without being able to see the negatives in them, though I tend to absolutely love the experience every time I go see a Marvel movie. And this is probably the first time since, like, d- Thor the Dark World where I did feel sort of, like, meh afterwards. Um, well, at least with Thor the Dark World, there was a lot of, like, actual vile feelings towards it because it's a bad movie (laughs) but (laughs) this one was just a meh um though that aside there was really good action and great special effects a cool like great casting but ultimately i feel like this movie fell short of doing what it needed to do with its time and that what it needed to do was make us really care about who black widow was Um, And i feel like it fell short of that short of that a bit Um, but you should definitely see it
0: yeah what did you think? Uh, what are your final thoughts on Black Widow?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm with Mocha on this one. I I don't think it was it was like a lot of the, the sequels, like kind of forgettable sequels, like Guardians Two, Ant Man Two. Like it's certainly not a bad movie, but it just doesn't have like any sort of original charm that a lot of these, like even the ones like like Doctor Strange. I don't hear that as like a top of the top of the MCU, but it certainly brought something new. Um, and interesting, whereas I don't think black Widow really brought anything new to the MCU. And it's kind of, as a result, a little bit forgettable.
0: All righty. And I, I'm probably coming out of this, enjoying it a bit more despite its faults and everything. Um, I, I found it to be very entertaining. Um, I think it's more, one of the more enjoyable Marvel films, especially for like a, uh, fun action film it definitely has overtop action and it's still uh great uh, performances all around i feel um and for me that that definitely puts it in like uh the top 10 of marvel movies for me i was just pulling out my mcu list and looking at like where would it uh kind of fall land and stuff and i mean i would definitely put it in like that doctor strange area level of terms of, uh, enjoyment and everything. Um, I actually, I I mean, I definitely think this is better. I mean, definitely better than Thor two or, uh, incredible Hulk, uh, and even better than, uh, uh, some of the other films that have come out recently, like guardians two, or, uh, captain Marvel. I enjoy black widow more than those films. Um, so it's, uh, I would say it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely the first film where, are not the first film that doesn't feel like a cornerstone, like a cornerstone film to understand what's going on in the overall saga of the MCU, but definitely feels like the most stand or side story compared to the rest of the films that are out there. And with that, that has been our full review of Black Widow. Mocha, where can people find more of your work?
1: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. At Mocha Mike L I where I type, where I type out all of my thoughts late at night with only the red lights on in my, my dark uh, room. Um, <laughs> you can find me at Mocha Mike L I Ask the Lord attendant. Unfortunately, you cannot find me at Mocha Mike. The person who has that username uh, is trapped in a, a Russian gulag and does not have wifi access to relinquish the passcode. Um, <laughs> so is Mocha Mike L I for the time being, but you can also find me at Mocha Mike on Instagram where I post some of my photography work. So
0: check me out there. Awesome. Shredder, Mike Blue, where can we find more of your work?
2: Yeah, you can find us at My News Music and My News Band, uh, most major platforms. Um, new music, eventually. Uh, I, I feel like I'm, even if we do release new music, I'm not going to stop saying that because at this point it's kind of a meme. Um, also, <laughs> I, I feel like there's a lot of obvious like Jesse jokes uh, that I can make about this one. So I'm going to do uh, Listener's Choice. <laughs> Whatever, you know, child abducting, secret weirdo surgeries, forced surgeries. I don't know, international assassins, man of mystery. Yeah, you you take your pick. I'm not gonna go that that vulgar. I'll let y'all do that for me. Jesse never turns his back on family.
0: Yes, he does. It's like the only thing he does. <laughs> Awesome. And I have been your host, Bryland. You can find me uh, putting on my old costumes on Twitter at Bryland B-R-I-L-U-N-D. But I don't tell you what those costumes are. You're just going to have to use your filthy internet imagination. Uh, And with that, we are the Down and Front Podcast. You can always uh, find us at downfrontpodcast.com if you want to see what our latest episode is or check out our latest teaser uh stay tuned i'm sure we're gonna have a lot more things coming out definitely very mcu centric so uh it's summertime folks so we're definitely getting those big movies in Uh, and starting to do that more and more often but stay tuned for more down front podcast go ahead and tweet us at i think we changed it to down a front pod is our new twitter handle and then we are on facebook instagram soundcloud mixer all sorts of wonderful places also apple Podcasts if you want to listen to our podcast and with that y'all have a great night and excelsior
1: may